You're listening to episode seven of Speaking with Deacon, tackling the new atheism. Speaking with Deacon is a production of the Perusia Podcast Network in partnership with Voice of Charity Australia and EWTN Asia Pacific. Join us as we discuss strategies that will empower us to announce the gospel of the Lord daily through our words and deeds. This is Speaking with Deacon. Hello and thanks for joining us again on Speaking with Deacon. My name is Mark Griffin and as always joining me is Deacon Harold Burke-Sivers. Deacon Harold, how are you today? Doing well. Great to see you as always, Mark. Yeah, good to be with you once again. It's, it's been a while since we recorded some of these. We, we tend to get a few ahead and then, and then have a bit of time apart and then, and then catch up a few more. So it's, it's good to be back in touch with you. What, what's been happening in Deacon Harold world in the last uh, couple of months since we last spoke? Well, lots of uh, traveling, you know, uh, make it, particularly making up pilgrimages, you know, that were canceled in uh, in 2020. So it's been great to get back out there. I've been to the Holy Land and to Germany, to Abramagau for the Passion Play, heading to France here in a couple of weeks uh, the, for the Saints, the Saints of France, and then um, in a couple of months' time to uh, Poland and Prague. So uh, very excited about that. It's fantastic that the the world is opening up again to to accommodate these sort of things. Are you finding they're different to what they've been in years gone by? Are you finding that there's a there's a different vibe or a, a different feel to the whole thing? Well, the crowds are definitely down, you know. Yeah. So it's amazing going to the Holy Land, going to these amazing sites, and no crowds. You know, it's just like, wait a minute, we could just go right to the site. Like, yep, you know, it's just that's that's pretty awesome. And I'm also glad to see that the uh, merchants. You know, um, there are def- definitely not as many merchants. Cause I'm sh- those were all like mainly mom and pop operations. And, and yes. uh, you know, a lot of them weren't able to survive COVID, you know, which is sad. But to go back and be able to support the economy, support the Christians in the Holy Land is just uh, an awesome feeling. That's fantastic. I really, really hope that uh, that one day I get the opportunity to to get over to the Holy Land. I don't see it, unfortunately, happening anytime soon. We've got the growing family and, and lots of things going on. But yeah, that's that's my one my one goal. One thing I would really love to do is is get over there. They, so many people say it's the fifth gospel and it just ties everything together. And so, yeah, I, I really look forward to, to hopefully one day getting the chance to do that. Um, so, yeah, today we're going to go through a, a topic. We haven't really touched on anything like this in, in the episodes we've recorded so far. We're going to be talking about um, the topic of atheism and in particular tackling the new atheism. So this is something that, that I admit I'm, I'm not up to speed on this topic. And so I'm hopefully going to be learning a lot from you today and, 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 and tapping into to some of your wisdom here. But I think, as always, a good place to start is to, to define terms. So what do we mean by atheism? So atheism comes from a, a Greek word, atheos which literally means without God, right? So an atheist takes the position, not that there's no only, there's no God. I mean, not only that, but there's no supernatural. Um, There's no transcendental. There's nothing outside of the physical realm where that is experienced by your senses, right? So for them, it's not just, there's no devil. There's no, you know, there's no spiritual. There's, there's nothing other than the, the tangible world. Now, theism, right? Theism is what we would be, right? Believers in God. So so theism uh, conceives God as personal, present, and active in the uh, governance and organization of the world and of the universe. So God creates us and also participates in our life, right? That's a theist position. And there's also deists or deism. Deism is sometimes called the watchmaker God. That's the God that kind of takes creation, kind of winds it up like a clock and puts the clock down and goes and does something else while creation just runs. So uh, the the deist God has really no interest and does not in the the world that he creates. He just kind of creates it and just goes and does something else while that kind of creation runs on its own. Um, And there's a number of scientists who were deists. Uh, like, for example, Albert Einstein, right, was probably one of the most famous deists. Um, and this idea of atheism goes all the way back to the ancient world. 
We even see it, for example, in the Psalms. We see that God's chosen people, the Israelites, were surrounded by tribes and nations that did not believe in God. For example, in Psalm 14, it says, the fool has said in his heart, there is no God, right? And there's another Psalm that, with the exact same sentiment that the psalmist portrays. So they were clearly um, interacting with people that were godless, right? It's not just pagan cultures that believed in, you know, like uh, pagan gods, like the God of the river and the God of the mountain and that kind of thing. But they were also around cultures that had no belief in any uh, uh, spiritual existence at all. Probably the most famous atheist back in the time of antiquity is a guy named Epicurus. So Epicurus was a philosopher who believed that um, the, 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 the essence of life was lived in peace and, and freedom from fear and the absence of pain. So pleasure was something that you maximized in your life and pain was something to be avoided. So good was acquainted with pleasure and, and bad was acquainted with evil. Uh, and and uh, so you want to maximize the good, the pleasure, and to minimize the pain or, or and evil, things that cause you pain. And when you die, that's the end of, of, of everything. There's no supernatural, there's nothing beyond the, the physical realm. So the, the problem with Epicurus was that uh, the Romans and, and the Greeks both didn't like that kind of thinking. Why? Because remember, Caesar thought of himself as a god, right? There was a pantheon of gods, both in Greek and Roman mythology. So they didn't believe in one god. They believed in, in, in many gods, right? But, but so Epicurus um, was considered kind of a rebel because it was against the, the way and thinking of the state, you know? Um, and so, you know, the, it was capital punishment. You could die for being an atheist back in the time of the Greeks and the Romans. But he was the most famous one and that kind of, thinking. In fact, you even hear it called Epicurean type of thinking, where you maximize uh, pleasure and minimize pain. And that's a very hedonistic way of living. And we see definitely see traces of that uh, in our culture today. Where do you think that this, this, I suppose, concept, but where do you think this idea of there being nothing came from? Because as Catholics, we're taught and understand that that God's love and, 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 and a desire for God is imprinted right into our soul. So if that's the case, and we believe that it is, how would someone become so far detached from that, if it's built right into them, to believe that there is no God, there is nothing beyond their, their here and now? Well, there could be many reasons for that, but I would think typically... Um, it would be like the problem of evil, right? Mm -hmm. So, so we 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 talk about you know the 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 God is being loving, God is being all knowing, God is being omniscient, um, God is being omnipotent, uh, you know all of that. And uh, but when so when they see evil happening in the world, they have a hard time reconciling the evil that they see with a good loving God that allows those kinds of things to happen. Sure. Right. And so for them, that's problem and that's problematic. So their solution, well, there is no God, you know, there's nothing beyond what we can see and experience with our senses. You know, that's the, that becomes the reality for them, you know? So, and that's, and Epicurus, I mean, you think about it to maximize pleasure. So sex and drinking and all those things that make you feel good. Right. Why not? Because at the end, there's, there's nothing to be accountable for, you know, there's, there's nothing you know, our bodies are just, instruments they're just a random generation of molecules so you know what's the point in virtuous living what's the point in quote unquote doing the right thing following what, what you um alluded to mark the natural moral law which is implanted in our hearts by god what's the point of all that you know uh so i think that's a problem part of the problem is the struggle with the things and, and the people that are call themselves believers in god who act contrary to, to how God is. So they, so they see the contradiction in the people that are, 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 are followers of God, and they also see the problem of evil in the world. I think those are two of the reasons, not the only reason, but I think two of the main reasons why people make the choice not to believe in anything. Absolutely. And 
And we see that even today through what the world as a whole has been through over the, the last few years in particular. I, I, as a Catholic, I have hope beyond what is here in the here and now. And I have a belief that, that things aren't, aren't good at the moment. Things are tough at the moment, but it doesn't mean that they're going to stay like that. And then that's the end. I, I, I believe that God is not necessarily directly causing it. Some would, some wouldn't. And, and there's, there's arguments that you can take a whole new podcast on that. But even if he's not directly causing it, he's permitting some of the, the evil, the darkness in the world. But his glory will shine out in the end that, that none of these dark times that we might be going through are going to be the last word. God will have the last word. And I have faith in that. And I really, I really struggle to see how people are navigating the world as it is at the moment without that sort of faith. And unfortunately, I suppose some people aren't. Uh, the rates of, of suicide in the world seem to be going up right around the world with so many causes behind that. It's, it's not one particular thing that's contributing to that. And so obviously, this world is, is very lost and, and God is very absent from so many people in the world. And so let, let's turn now to this, this terminology, new atheism. What do you mean when you say new atheism? So atheism really didn't develop as a, a serious kind of uh, discipline, a serious way of thinking or living until about the 18th century. Um, because that's when the enlightenment happened, right? And so the enlightenment pushed back against the uh, the, the theological worldview uh, of a good and loving and all-powerful God. And so by the 19th century, in the 1800s, uh, atheism begins to become more organized and more formal. And there were two branches of atheism at that point. There was something called theoretical atheism, that's when it became more of a um, an academic type of discipline, you know, um, where obviously there is there's no again no supernatural god, no designer and maker and creator of of all things. So you had guys like Sigmund Freud, right, Karl Marx, um, Ludwig Feuerbach. These are some of the famous atheists, theoretical atheists, who kind of took the idea of atheism and brought it into an academic setting right so it became a an area of study an area of intellectual thought uh so that was one branch the other branch was called practical atheism it's it's taking atheism and living it out in your life every day so some famous practical atheists or would be like um frederick nietzsche right like God, the, frederick nietzsche is famous for for creating the the saying god is dead right um gene roddenberry the creator of the Star Trek. Uh, I don't know if you have Star Trek in Australia, but oh yeah, yes, uh, absolutely. <laughs> yeah, there's a fa yeah famous famous Star Trek. Gene Roddenberry was a practical atheist, you know. So um, uh, Isaac Asimov, the, the famous Russian author. So so these are uh, this is what was happening with atheism. Now we call it the neo atheism or the new atheism, because what has happened. Um, even though they were practical and theoretical atheists, they were a they were willing to look at different arguments for God, including philosophical argument. All right. So so they were honest enough to look at philosophical approaches to understanding the nature of God. But since 9-11, you know, the uh when um you know the 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 terrorists flew planes into buildings in New York. Uh, in, in, in New York uh, City and, and here in the United States, um, we see the atheism now. Because remember, the, the, the terrorists did that. They said it was God's will. It was Allah's will that, that this happened. So these new atheists came out and said, okay, wait a minute. Okay, this, this changes things now. We are no longer going to consider philosophical argument. This is ridiculous. And so we have these, these neo-atheists or these new atheisms. So uh, the purveyors of that are um, Daniel Dennett, Mm -hmm. Christopher Hitchens, mm -hmm. who's who's since deceased now, uh, Sam Harris, right, and and probably one of the most famous out of that bunch um, is Richard Dawkins. 
sure. right? <laughs> uh, so the God delusion and all, and all those books that he's written. Um, so those guys now kind of reformulated atheism and said, look, we, we are no longer taking into account uh, these philosophical arguments. So, so by St. Thomas Aquinas or, or St. Augustine or anything like that, we're only going to rely on intellectualism. We're only going to rely on what we can experience with our senses. Um, and, and so, so how do they explain goodness, right? Uh, so they would say, well, it's just, you know, it's, it's, it's doing the right thing. Well, see, where does that come from though? The idea of right and wrong, right? The idea of, of good and evil, where does that come from? Because some people do good things, some people do evil things. Where does that come from? How do you wrestle with that? And so they would see it as a process of evolution, as an evolutionary, a biological evolutionary process that has been shaped by the soft sciences. So, so these apish urges that we have, because, you know, we're evolved from apes, from monkeys. And so philosophy and po political thought and um, all these things, sh psychology, shape the way we think and act. So that would be kind of their explanation uh, for that. So this new atheism is, is kind of taking atheism and um, really incorporating it into uh, contemporary life in a way that's never been done before. It's... It's interesting. You say that we've gone through this academic phase and now it's just all intellectual. It's really challenging to to hear the way that some of these names that you've mentioned, the way they present their case, because it feels like they are on a mission not to prove anything, but just to disprove somebody else. And they will stop at... So, so they don't even seem to want to... Um, consider all the evidence they will just find one thing that in isolation might support what they're saying but not even to prove what they're saying but rather to disprove what somebody else is saying so how do we take this or how has the world taken this so seriously and and why is this such a big movement in the world when they're well, actually not I standing for something they're just trying to disprove something because a lot of people uh, are asking the same questions that the atheists are, are asking and they're not, they're not finding good answers to it. Uh, mm -hmm. Good answers for it. Uh, for, for example, uh, when they say, you know, uh, when they flew the planes in the buildings and when terrorists do certain acts or uh, the priest, the, the sexual abuse scandal in the Catholic sure. church, mm -hmm. they'll see, well, see, see, why do you see all, all this is they're just using this religion as a way to exploit uh, young people. Right mm -hmm. to explain to as a way to extract money from people for their own personal gain, like these televangelists and things like right. And so, th th so people ask, well, yeah, I do see that, or yeah, I don't see. It. So, but they stop there. That's the problem. They mm -hmm. stop there. They don't stop to think. Okay, wait a minute. When the uh, priest abuse thing was happening, that's not what the church teaches. The church doesn't teach or endorse that. Look at the teachings of the church. Look at the catechism. It it, it 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 does not endorse that at all. In fact, it's just the opposite. So what's happening, you have people that are claiming to be people of faith, even clerics, even leadership in the church, that are living and acting in a way that's contrary to the teaching. So instead of people saying, hey, wait a minute, these people are acting contrary to what they actually believe, they're saying, nope, this is it. This is what the church, this is, see, this is what the Catholic church is about. Whoa, whoo, 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 take, stop, take a, take a deep breath here. Let, let's, let's, let's go a little deeper there, but they're not doing that. And so the atheists, for example, Sam Harris would say, for example, um, the way women were treated in the Bible in the old Testament, like if a woman was caught in adultery, she was stoned to death. So they look how the Bible talks about abusing women. Now, if people look at that and say, well, yeah, the Bible does say that, but hold on. If we look at Leviticus chapter 20, verse 10, and Deuteronomy 22, verse 22, they both clearly say that the man and the woman caught in adultery were stoned to death. Not just the woman. It was the man sure. and the woman caught in adultery were stoned to death. Not just the woman. So Sam Harris likes to, likes to take things like that out of the Bible and throw it back in your face. Well, what about this? You know, the Bible says this. He's trying to read the Bible like a newspaper. He's not taking into account divine revelation. He's not taking into account how God, uh, the act of divine condescension, where sure. God comes down to our level and, and you know, it's like a, it's trying to teach a, a, a four-year-old algebra, 
You don't do that. You start with two plus two is four, right? You start with the basics before you get to something advanced. Sure. And, 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 and atheists fail to take that in consideration when it's looking at Christianity. It just looks on the surface without going deeper. You actually, at the beginning of that also, you highlighted two key things in your examples. You highlighted the the negative, the poor witness of people that are, are getting caught in scandal and, and how important it is that, that we actually live our faith and we don't um, preach one thing and then go and do another thing. We have to practice what we preach. And then in addition to that, when something does go wrong, when there is a scandal in the church, who's actually out there defending the church, being the apologist for the church position, rather than getting into the, the tussle over the action of one or maybe multiple people, but not necessarily in line with what they're preaching. There just seems to be a real lack of, of apologists for the church um, and beyond the lawyers for the individuals involved in the scandal, maybe. <laughs> so, yeah. So, yeah, no, yeah, I see what you're saying. And you're right. I mean, we are all called to be followers of Christ. Um, and, you know, and Mark, what, what's striking me about what you're saying, there's even contradiction within people who, who call themselves Christians. So, for example, you know, yeah, I believe that Jesus is present in the Eucharist, but I believe that that um, uh, in um, same sex so-called marriage or I believe in contraception or I believe in in vitro fertilization, you know, or I, I believe that, you know, people can change their. If if they think they're a woman and you're a guy, then you can just change whatever your, you know, your 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 gender is. I mean, so wait a minute. How how could you believe that Jesus Christ is present in the Eucharist and the, one of the most fundamental tenets of our faith, and then not believe these other things? So it's like people see that contradiction too. Wait a minute. You call yourself Catholic, but you're kind of like not really Catholic. You because you believe the things you want to believe. You don't accept everything the church is teaching. So even within that, there's a contradiction there. Right. So so and that's and that's why I love what Jesus says in John in John's Gospels. He wished that they may be one as you are one father and I are one. And we're not one. We're not one. I mean, not just with our Protestant brothers and sisters or our Orthodox brothers and sisters, not even within the church itself. We're not even walking in communion. Look what's going on with the, the bishops in Germany. Like, what the heck is going on? I mean, so so even within the church, there's this division. So, of course, the atheists are going to have a field day with that. So, wait, you're telling us there's no God, but you can't even agree amongst yourselves. Sure. You know, so people see that and they say, oh, you know what? The atheists have a point. Mm-hmm. You know, yeah, look look at that contradiction. That, yeah, what they're saying makes sense, you know? And it's just, it's easy to kind of take that way out instead of doing the the deep work. Because when when you're not unified, you know, that's when people that like, for example, if you're not unified in your, in your own self, body, mind and soul, you make room for the devil to come in and, and, and work in your life. Because if one aspect is weak, then that's the way that the devil makes his way into life, because his whole goal is to separate you from God. Right. And so that's what happens. To so many of our young people, so many of our young people are falling into atheism, are moving away from the church because they don't understand why they're Catholic. They don't for them. The, the, the way we present the church to them is rules, regulations, commandments, and moral codes, right? Mm-hmm. And what atheism presents is, if it feels good, do it. You know, that Epicurean way of thinking, you know, maximize pleasure, minimize pain. And, you know, you know, there's no rules or laws or commandments that govern any of that. The church makes that stuff up to control you. You know, atheists, are, no, you, you control everything. You know, there's not a a church that controls you. You are the one that controls what happens in your, and that's very appealing to young people. You know, again, because they're the ones also seeing the contradiction, right? They're the ones that are also seeing the, um, uh, the, the the extremes of faith, right? They, They see the, the Muslim terrorists, they see the, the infighting within the church. They see, you know, um, division, and, and so you said, well, you know, why even bother with any of this? I can just be atheist and just and just be a good person, right? And it's that, and that's all I have to do. Oh. And, and that's that's the the way that, uh, and that's why a lot of our people are leaving faith, leaving a a belief system they've inherited from their parents, 
you know, and, and falling into a belief system in nothing where mm -hmm. I am the center of all meaning and existence. Yeah. And, and I suppose, but then we push back straight on that and we say, well, define being a good person and where do your criteria come from? It's got to come from somewhere um, because well, well, otherwise and, and good, good can mean something different for every person, can't it? Well, as long as I don't hurt anybody, right? That, that's, that, that's the retort, right? Yes. As long as I don't hurt anybody, then, then I'm okay. You know, mm -hmm. see, again, it's just, it's just kind of, I mean, what do you mean hurting someone? You know, so for example, you have, um, you have the uh, pedophiles, right? Who will say, well, it's okay to have a relationship with a, a, a physical relationship, sexual relationship with a child, as long as the child agrees, as long as the child is not hurt by it. It's like, what, what, what kind of mm -hmm. foolishness is that? Or you have guys like atheists, like, um, uh, what's it from Princeton University, the Australian guy, right? Peter, um, Peter Singer, Peter Singer mm -hmm. right? Who says you can have uh, uh, inter, you know, sexual relationships with animals as long as the animal is not hurt. Or you can kill one-year-old children with physical or emotional disabilities up to one year old. You know, that's infanticide. That's murder. Yeah. But as long as the, the kid's damaged and these damaged goods and it, they're no good to anybody in society, that that's the kind of thinking um, that that this the, the path that leads you down because you're always going to go against somebody's morality, right? Mm -hmm. You're always going against going to go against someone else's idea of what good is, right? So so that's why I love the the Christian worldview where we look at the true and the good and the beautiful. Um, uh, following the teachings of Jesus Christ, who is truth itself, yeah. Right. So, so that's kind of the the the, the, the kind of the um, the super glue that holds everything together for us as, as believers in in Christ. And and we can take that twisted thinking right back to the serpent in the garden, where God's afraid that you'll be like him, you'll be your own gods. That that's where that seed was planted, isn't it? Right back at the start. That's right. Yeah. You will be like God. Exactly. Now. Let's just look, something you touched on just a little while back um, was, it's, it's a big issue it seems in discussions between um, Christianity, the ones that I listen to, Christians versus the atheists. And, and we go back to this idea of um, evolution. And well, the Bible says this, evolutionists would say that, the Bible's only nice sort of um, poetic language, it's a, it's a good story, but can you clarify at this point on this one particular issue because it is one that always comes up in these discussions what is the church's stance on evolution was the world created in days or do those days represent seasons or some other time periods and and what is the church's position on that yeah so the church has no official teaching on uh on creation because no one was there when God created the world. So there's no way we can know with 100% certainty how all this stuff came about. So when we look at it in the Old Testament, um, we're not saying that it's just a story that's made up, right? What we're saying is that what, what the, the Bible is trying to do is reveal um, divine revelation. It's, it's not a history book. It's not a science book. It's talking about um, how God has revealed himself in, in the world. And so the things that the Bible teach are true, mm -hmm. but they're not necessarily literally true. Mm -hmm. So, for example, it says that God created the world in seven days, right? So in the Psalms, it says in God's mind, a day is like a thousand years. So for some people, well, it was set, the earth is 7,000 years old. Because the Bible says, you know, the, the, it, it's like uh, a day is like a thousand years. So that's, that's just an analogy. It could be millions of years. You know, uh, who, who knows? What, what the church teaches is this. At, at, now, I, that, that man, you know, whether it's through an evolutionary process or whether God created, which I believe, ex nihilo, out of nothing, um, that uh, at some point uh, God infused humanity with a soul and at that point that distinguishes uh humanity from every other thing that god has has created you know um because if you if you look at how different man is like you said well we evolved from apes yes but there are some characteristics that we have 
in relation to primates, right? Using tools and um, so socializing and things like that. So they there are characteristics they have. They, so the, 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 the conclusion of Darwin and people like that is that we must have evolved from that. I, I personally don't believe that. <laughs> uh, so you're free to believe that there was an evolutionary process. And then at some point in man's evolution, he got to a point where God infused that, that humanoid with a soul. And at that point, that, that made the, 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 the great distinction between lower life forms and, and human beings made in God's image and likeness. Or you're free to believe that God created um, humanity ex nihilo, out of nothing out of the Adama, right? The dirt, dirt, dust, or soil of the earth um, because humanity is so distinct from every other creature. So yeah, we share, for example, um, uh, sexual reproduction. We share that with, with animals, right? Um, but, but you look at, you know, uh, uh, in the scriptures, it says that we are made in God's image and likeness, right? It, it, the other animals are not made in God's image and likeness. So there's something very distinct about humanity because we carry the, the the seed of God's life in us, right? And so that's something very, very distinct from every, every other form of creation. So for example, um, remember uh, there's there's uh, Adam and Eve and then Cain and Abel. Are the, the, there's more kids after that, but the first two kids are Cain and Abel. Now Cain kills Abel, right? And then so what God does, he puts a mark on Cain. Right. It's, why does he do that? Well, the, 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 here's what Cain says in, in Genesis 4, verse 13. My punishment is greater than I can bear. Behold, thou hast driven me this day away from the ground, and from thy face I shall be hidden, and I shall be a fugitive and a wanderer on the earth, and whoever finds me will slay me. And the Lord said, Not so. If anyone slays Cain, vengeance shall I take on him sevenfold. And the Lord put a mark on Cain, lest anyone who came upon him should kill him. Okay? So the mark was a warning to others. It wasn't making him the outcast. It was saying he's not an outcast. Woe to you if you touch him sort of thing. But, but here's my point. Who are these others? There's Adam, Eve, Cain, and Abel. Mm-hmm. Who are these others? Sure. The Bible doesn't explain where, where these Where did they come, come from? from? Yeah, yeah. <laughs> where, where did they come from? All of a sudden, he put this mark on it to protect them so no one else would kill. Who? Who, who are these others? See, that, that's the see. So, so the Bible is not interested <laughs> in where all these other people is just looking at salvation history. Um, what God has put in place in order to come. That's where Genesis starts with. Genesis talks about how sin came into the world. Mm -hmm. and, and God establishing his plan right in the beginning in Genesis 3.15, establishing his plan for salvation. So that's what the, the Bible is talking about, how God intervenes in human history, how he creates us out of love. The exact process for how that happens, you know, the church doesn't have a definitive teaching because we weren't there, mm -hmm. you know? So we're, 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 again, we're just looking at these creation stories, understanding the power of God's love and how God works with humanity you know, to draw us deeply into his heart and into his life. That's the main focus. But you have so many people spending time looking at this verse and that verse and how they say this word or that word and trying to find exactly how God created it. And, and there's no way we can know with 100% certainty. So it's about um, finding the, the meaning, not necessarily the factual details. Correct. Correct. Right. Let's, the let's, meaning behind it. Let's yeah, take it exactly. a step further back. So we're talking about creation of man here. What about the creation of the universe and this whole concept of the Big Bang Theory, um, this theory developed by the Catholic priest, Father George Lemaitre? Mm -hmm. Why? Yeah. It's if it's, if it's not Bang. important to study it at this level, why is there a Catholic priest developing this theory in the first place? Yeah. So first of all, remember that we're talking about theories here. Exactly. Right? Emphasis on big that word. Bang yes. Fact. It's yes. not, it's, it's big bang theory, not big bang fact. So, so yeah, as a scientist, right? There's there's nothing wrong with trying to understand mm -hmm. how things came to be, the origins of things. Sure. Right. It's just like a child, mommy and daddy, where did I come from? Mm. Right. When they start to discover their own bodies and discover their 
independence from their parents when they're they're no longer feel you know they're not physically connected to their parents that they have independence they start asking questions where did i come from mm-hmm. you know and so mommy and daddy has to sit down and explain to their child about how babies are made and all that kind of stuff and it's, a, it's i think it's the same thing obviously uh, you extrapolate that at the scientific level this universe is amazing we're here why are we here what's the purpose for us being here you know, how, how did this universe come into existence? The universe is still expanding after 13.7 billion years. H- how is that possible? You know, it's, some of this is defined. We know we're able to determine physical laws of the universe, right? So, for example, um, there's four known forces in the universe. Gravitational force, electromagnetic force, strong nuclear force, and weak nuclear force. And there are constants that are associated with each of these known forces. So we're able to understand those kinds of things. But but so once we understand that these, these things exist, they had to come from someplace because things don't create themselves, right? Mm-hmm. They, uh, so, so they had to come from something. So trying to understand, um, for some people, is a very scientific type of process. And there's nothing wrong with the idea that there was a boom, there was a bang, that kind of started this um, this process of of creation. Uh, so if you look back in Genesis, it says God in the beginning, God created the heavens and the earth. Right, uh, the earth was about form and void, and darkness was upon the face of the deep, and the spirit of God moved upon the waters. So again, the Bible is not talking about how the earth came about, whether it came about from a big bang. It's talking about that God created everything out of nothing, and 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 again. The scripture is looking from a top-down approach. Is you know the, the Israelites are looking up into the heavens. They see the moon. They see the stars. And then you know the clouds come over. Then there's rain that comes down. Where's the rain coming from? Well, there must be something called a firmament, which holds back the water. And so when these clouds gather, these dark clouds gather. You know, it pierces the firmament, and the water from heaven is able to come through. So, so they're trying to look and understand you know, how these things are happening, but it's not a science book, right? So, but there's nothing wrong with scientists trying to go back and to look at and try to answer the question from a scientific perspective of how we arrived here. But they will never uh, fully understand because to fully understand how that process, you have to be God. Sure. Right? Yeah. But, that, but that's where the atheists get off because they think they're God. when When they're trying to um discover things and all they do is they, they actually don't discover anything mm-hmm. all they do is create more theories and more ideas of how things came about and and for for us we're okay as catholics and people of faith to say you know what we don't fully understand this this is god god is beyond our comprehension um but we know this here we know this exists you know we don't always understand it but we be accepted on faith you said you and, said and quite i was going to say you said frankly, before as well you were making the point that we now know these things and we now know those things. But it's also fair to say we know that in the context of our limited understanding. So yes. in a generation or yes. two or three or a hundred, what we think we know now might have been completely debunked down the track. There's this, there is no way of knowing for sure, is there? Right, exactly. Exactly. So, for example, the universe is continuing to expand. Uh, and, the, the, you know, the Big Bang... Um, is part of what they call an entropic system, right? Mm-hmm. The second law of thermodynamics is the law of entropy. Entropy, entropy measures the level of chaos and disorderedness within systems. And so uh, entropic systems always tend toward equilibrium. They always lose energy. So for example, Mark, a simple example, when I got my mobile, right? Um, I When I turn on the phone, the battery said 100%, right? If I drain the battery, to zero and I recharge the phone again, the battery says 100%. But is it actually 100% the battery? Is it actually 100%? I would suggest probably not because these things have a lifetime and once their lifetime dies, you're never actually getting back to the complete. Exactly. It's 99.999997. Right. It's 100 percent. But because entropic systems never regain the same amount of energy that they had initially. So it's 100 percent. It's 100 percent of its new maximum capacity, which isn't correct. Correct. Yeah. Okay. See, And so one of the things that science is trying to answer 
then if the, there was a big bang and the universe began to expand, where's the energy loss? Because the universe is still expanding. Right. And they're able to measure that, like black holes, and they're able to measure that. And they're able to have scientific analysis and, and the the um uh the Hubble telescope, and I forget the name of the new one that's going that's gonna be out there in space that's even greater than the they can see even further into the, the the deepest recesses of you know millions of light years they can look in, in deeply into the, the the farthest parts of the galaxy and they can still measure and see that the universe is expanding so where's the energy loss there, there's no physics no law of physics that explains it, it goes against the law of entropy right and there's no way to explain how that's happening well we we say well it's god and we're okay with that, right? And so the scientists, though, but here's the contradiction. So the scientists will explain, well, how do we get life? You know, uh, even Stephen Hawking in his book, A Brief History of Time, talks about this something called the anthropic principle of fine-tuned universe. Mm -hmm. So in order to have a universe that we have now with life, if any of those constants that I like, this, there's, the, the, there's a speed of light constant, right? Um, there's the uh, Hubble constant. There's the uh, there's uh, there's a uh, weak gravitational force constant. If the, there are hundreds of constants in the universe, right, that govern how the universe works. So Stephen Hawking says in his book, if any of those constants were changed, not by ten percent, not by one percent, but one thousandth millionth million. So if the speed of light was changed. By one thousandth millionth million, there could be no life in the universe. Not any hope, not just Homo sapien life, no life at all. So, so that's so pretty what? finely tuned. <laughs> that's finely tuned. So, yeah. so you can't say it was just by chance, sure. as Richard Dawkins says. It's just by chance. No. So, so the atheist now, in order to explain that, well, now there's a multi-universe theory. Mm -hmm. So. There are multiple universes because if you have many universes, not galaxies, we know there's uh, there's there's hundreds of thousands of galaxies. What they're saying is multiple universes. So their contention is at least with all these universes, at least there's one universe that has a possibility of having life. But they can't even prove all the principles of this universe, and there's no way to prove a multi-universe. The only way you can accept that is on faith. So now they're back to where we are. Sure. You have to accept it on faith. I suppose that, that leaves us at the point where we're never going to know. As you said before, we're never going to know as long as we're here. We're never going to know everything. And like, for, like, for example, Mark, my best friend died. Uh, Craig died. Gosh, it's 14 years ago. My I, mean, I was the best man at his wedding. He was the best man at my wedding. We've known each other since we were 10 years old, fourth grade. And he died. I mean, we had cancer, but he died so quickly after the diagnosis. It was like, um, he died within a week after no. the diagnosis. He was dead. Yeah. And and I and now it's been 14 years, Mark. I still don't understand. To this day, I don't understand why he died. Why did God allow that? Why? He left a wife and two very small children, both under two years old. So what, what, how is, how is that the act of a loving God to allow Craig to die that early? He's not even 38 years old. What, what, how is she, how is his wife supposed to raise the kids by herself? You see what I'm saying? So, mm -hmm. so, so we have to, we have to be okay and say, you know what? I don't fully understand what God is doing here. Maybe I'll understand when I get to heaven. But I have to trust that, you know, God is the author of life. He, he creates life. He could take life uh, because it belongs to him. Uh, uh, and so um, maybe it was because he didn't, uh, he said he had such a, a painful form of cancer that God did not want him to suffer very long. You know, um, uh, maybe God had a, a special plan for his wife. You know, who knows? You know, I, I I still don't know the answers, I, and I and, and I struggle with that for a long time. But ultimately, I have to accept it that this is part of God's plan. This is part of His will, um, and that ultimately God's will is is what's best for us. Absolutely. And I won't fully understand it because I I, I have to be God to comprehend the the full import of what that means.
the the understanding's not there. The acceptance comes on faith. So yes, yeah. and and the reason and I and the brought atheists up, have no faith, so they keep bringing up theories that they can't prove. Yeah, which you can only accept by faith. Yeah, and the the reason I brought up some of those that I did the um the creation of man and, and evolution and also the Big Bang theory is because they they're two of the prominent ones that always seem to come up and they always seem to be a sticking point. But the hope I have in those discussions. Because sometimes those discussions aren't particularly fruitful when you've got one side and the other. They just seem to be shouting each other down. But the hope I have is that they were willing to have the discussion. And if nothing else, that willingness, that wonder to understand what is going on, for a person of faith, I see that surely as a yearning for God. Because we want to understand God. We don't, they don't necessarily know that that's what they're yearning for yet. Yeah. But the fact is, they exactly. are still searching for something. And the prayer is obviously that one day they find it. And if anything we do as believers can help them along that path, I pray that we have the courage and ability to be able to do that. But ultimately, that hope in me comes from a sense of that I understand that we all have that wonder and awe of, I know it to be God. They don't know it to be that yet, but it's in, it's in all of us. That that desire to want to understand, to want to learn more, that is something that is ultimately, I pray, pointing us all towards God. And I pray we all get there and and get that understanding. But yes, yeah, so I I really see that as it's it's a God given gift, whether we want to accept that or not at this stage. It really is, isn't it? It is, and because that's part of the, that's the natural law that God's implanted in us. To, in order to draw us into relationship with him. Sure. That's the purpose, sure. is to draw us into, into intimate, personal, loving, and life-giving communion. Now, God also gives us free will. So we're free to accept that invitation. Just like if you were invited to something, Mark, you could say yes to invitation or no. And, mm -hmm. and, and, and God allows you to freely, you're allowed, you can freely choose, Mark. No one's forcing you to say yes or no to accepting the invitation. And the same thing is true for us. Mm -hmm. We can say yes to God's invitation. We can say no, you know, and, and I think it's dishonest to say no, just because you like, for example, um, conceptual thought, right? Um, how do atheists explain the idea of conceptual thought? For example, Mark, when I was a kid, there were no computers, no computers. How did someone conceive the idea of a computer because that does a computer doesn't exist there's no it just doesn't exist so uh, an ape cannot conceptualize uh, uh, a computer and then carry out a plan in order to create one from nothing sure can't happen mm -hmm. you know so so humanity has that gift which is that spark from god that creative because remember we don't create anything we co-create with god mm -hmm. right we co-create with god so someone was able to have this conceptual thought, this idea that there's this thing called a computer. And with everything that I, we know about math and science, there's a way that we can use the elements, copper, uh, metal, right? To, to construct something in order to, to uh, carry out sophisticated calculations. Um, and, and somebody, I'm sure when somebody first started, they'd be like, are you nuts? There's no way that uh, we can ever create anything like that. Now look at it now. Everything and its mother runs on computers now. We went from no computers, you know, like what, what am I, 50 something? So computers were like a, just starting to come in when I was like a, a, an early teenager. Where there was no computers when I was really young to now everything runs on computers. You know, in just a span of 40 to 50 years. Sure. It you doesn't know, take uh, long. <laughs> but, but someone had to conceptualize because computers did not exist before. Airplanes did not exist before. And there's no lower life form that can come up with the idea of conceptual thought. It mm -hmm. had to come from something. And, and, and to say that it's evolved as an evolutionary process is crap because you, you can't measure conceptual thought. Mm -hmm. Where are the cells in your body that you can physically measure that that uh, that you can okay I can tap this cell this cell is the source of conceptual thought no I mean uh, we're conscious right now how are we conscious Mark how what cell in our brain is the consciousness cell because remember the only thing that is re and real and exists for the atheist what you can see taste touch measure and quantify mm -hmm. 
right? But so where's the consciousness cells in your body? There is no con. Doesn't there's exist. no way to now you could you could take an uh, an an electroencephalograph and you can measure brain activity, right? But it's measuring something that's already there. Mm-hmm. Where does that come from? Where does conceptual thought come from? Where does consciousness come from? You see that. How do they explain? How's an atheist explain that? And here's the thing that they can't answer ultimately for me, Mark. Why we're here. Mm-hmm. That's the big why one. Why does it? any of this yes. why does any of this exist? And their answer is, well, who cares? <laughs> <laughs> there, there is no meaning. Then why are we here then? Why yeah. is there something rather than nothing? Mm-hmm. What's the point? You see, that's and why are those constants so finely tuned? In order to create life in, in, you know, in the third planet from the sun, you know, if, if we were any further away from the sun or any closer to the sun, we couldn't exist. Why is our orbit? Why is the gravity well that the earth sits in that, that you know, um, the, the, the gravitational force, the well that the earth sits? Why is it exactly the constant that it is? Because if it was off by, as, as Stephen Hawking says, one thousandth millionth yep. million, there could be no life. Mm-hmm. So why? See, that, that, that's the thing that really in, encourages me as a person of faith, because the answer goes back to God, the uncreated creator. Even Albert Einstein came to that conclusion as a deist, right? The watchmaker God, but he still believed that there was an uncreated creator and a supernatural entity that was the cause of all the things that he was discovering in science. Sure. So when we get that, when we get that response from them, who cares? I think we really need to push back on that. Well, I care. So let's discuss it and just continue. Don't let it break down at that point, because when you get to that point, you're really close to needing to accept that there is something beyond us, something outside of what we have that we can see and touch here. There is something outside that that, that has to be the answer. So I just feel like sometimes yeah, we get what... it really close to that point and then, we, then it falls apart and they say, I don't care. Well, I do. So let's continue the discussion. <laughs> <laughs> exactly. I yep. mean, why are some, why are these things like Ancestry.com, right? Yes. And all these places where people are going back and looking at their origins. Mm-hmm. Because it, it goes back to that desire, where did I come yeah. from? That what question is, is my there. history? Yeah. And if you push that all the way back, it goes back to, okay, then, then, you know, then, then why do I exist? Mm-hmm. You see, there's that, it's that longing, that yearning that I think only faith can answer. That's fantastic. We might leave it there, Deacon. We're running out of time, but thank you so much for your input on this topic today. This is this is one that I've heard quite a bit on, but it's one that I really, really struggle to get my head around. But even in this discussion today, just, just getting it to where we've got it to now, I think that's a really good foundation now for me to go and continue uh, looking into this, this particular topic. So thank you, as always, once again, for your wisdom. And uh, we look forward to, to catching up with you in the in the next episode. Thanks, Mark. Great to be with you as always. And for all the listeners out there, if you want to keep up with the work of Deacon Harold and and where he's speaking around the world and his different activities, you can visit his website at deaconharold.com. And to keep track of all things Perusia, you can also visit our website at perusiamedia.com. So thank you once again for joining us today on Speaking with Deacon. My name is Mark Griffin, and I look forward to joining you next time. God bless.